Every great empire reaches a point where going backward can seem more appealing than forward. When the world is changing so fast, it makes us yearn for the old ways when life seemed simpler. But it doesn't mean those old ideas are good for us now. We have to face one hard reality as a country. The new Star Wars was not as good as everyone thought it was. It may seem fun to go back and recycle the past we loved, but we end up with no sustenance. See, when a civilization has become so big, it starts to get lazy, and that's when you get member berries. They're nothing new. They date back all the way to the Roman Empire. Once too many Romans ate the member berries, there was no more growth. They rested on their laurels, just eating and membering all the good stuff. I think those are just grapes. Thought so too till I zoomed in. Maybe. You see, we all want to go back to when we were kids. Simple ideas like a big man to protect us, keep us safe. Instead of a fresh new Star Wars, we want the old, just recycled and plopped in our tummies. Oh, jeez. Only thing I've got to say is, how about them cowboys? How about them cowboys, indeed? We are back on the air in our bunkers. Giving you at home in Cowboys Nation something to keep yourself occupied as you're working from home and or teaching from home. Times have expired. So welcome back in to a special list edition of About Them Cowboys. I am Kent Garrison, producing here at The Athletic and keeping myself occupied as best I can as I welcome in the best humans that I know to talk more Dallas Cowboys football. And remember, for you at home, you can follow along our award-winning coverage at The Athletic 90 days free. Just go to theathletic.com slash aboutthemcowboys for more information there. And you're going to want to secure that subscription because Dane Brugler's draft guide is on the way. Talked to him earlier today. He's secured himself in his bunker, typing away, getting that thing done, getting it ready for you guys as the NFL draft is currently on schedule to be here at the end of April. So you're going to want that. And you're going to want to tune into Prospects to Pros on The Athletic as well. The podcast with Dane Brugler and Chris Burke as they're talking NFL draft weekly as we count down the days for the next class of Dallas Cowboys to arrive. So I'm going to welcome in our panel now. He has been forced to take up a hobby other than covering sports, which I'm excited to see what that would be about. It's Father John Mishota. Hey, John. There's no time for hobbies yet. So, There's still plenty of Cowboys news going on right now. We don't have time for hobbies. That's true. You know, uh, my hobby my hobby this time of year is usually to watch college basketball in the tournament, and that's been taken mm-hmm. from me. Yeah, that's what so, I, I'm interested. It's like, if not for some tra- Travis Frederick news and some things like that, like, what's your hobby? You do video game at all? Maybe read a book? You watch some movies? I'm big I'm big in, into movies mm-hmm. and TV shows, but this time of year, it, it's all college basketball. Like I was supposed to go to Las Vegas for the first round of the tournament. I've been doing that for like the last five years. And, uh, obviously that all got canceled. And so, uh, um, and then I went to, I've been to the final four, nine of the last 10 years. So I've been, I don't know. I'm like me and my younger brother and a couple of friends from, uh, back home in Detroit are pretty big college basketball fans. So that's usually big this time of year for me. And now that's just completely gutted and and not to get too off topic here, but I just saw some tweet earlier today where Mac Brown's talking about them being nervous about not having a college football season. And I'm just like, 
if this thing goes all the way out to there and there's no college football, then I don't see any NFL. Like, I'm just like, just from these few days of not having any sports, I'm just like, right. man, our world, sports world, I should say, would just be uh, a lot different. But that's for another podcast. I'm certainly going to be interested to see how they, you know, deal with the offseason program, right? You know, maybe they push it all back to July and there's no OTAs. I don't, you know, we'll talk about that another day, but it's going to, I mean, we're counting down the days here until they have to make some kind of a decision on that, I would think. So we will see how that goes. And uh, so now I'm welcoming in. He's sitting on his socially distanced hosting throne. It's Kevin KT Turner. And KT, NFL Game Pass is currently free in the U.S. So what better time than now to count down some of our favorite Cowboys games that people can watch while they're at home trying to pass the time? I'm excited about this list. Yeah, and I I admit, like, this time of year, I'm generally spending many of my nights watching some – you know, average day three type prospects mm. uh, as we're kind of getting ready for the draft, which as of right now is still scheduled for the end of April. We'll see if the NFL decides to make a move and, you know, finalize it. But I think the next two weeks could change some things depending how everything goes with uh, the coronavirus pandemic. But Game Pass offering up some free services is an excellent way to help kill some time if you're quarantining and you're not able to go to work, or even if you are able to go to work at night, you just get some free time, or maybe you've watched everything there is to watch. Game Pass doing a good uh, good deal by uh, giving everyone some free football to watch, which you got to love that. So uh, basically what we did is we tasked, uh, we got a task force together, much like the pandemic task force, but less important. Uh, came up with the top five Cowboys games to watch on Game Pass and um, over the last few years, of course. And then we also have some honorable mentions as well. Um, Kent, let's let's go run through your honorable mentions before we get to the top five list. I would like to do that. Yeah. What did you go with first? Yeah, and just a disclaimer here. I think the furthest we're going to go back is maybe seven seasons. So it's okay. not, not Cowboys' whole history there. I don't, I'm not sure how far Game Pass goes back. I believe it's 2007. I think it's, okay, yeah, I thought it was at least 10 years. So, so yeah, uh, that's a disclaimer. We're only probably thinking 2013 until now. I'm gonna keep keep it semi relevant here. Yeah, uh, you know the teams that we've covered, the games that we've watched and covered in person, things like that. So I got a few honorable mentions here that I want to mention. Uh, the first of which is Cowboys Eagles Week 15 of 2014. Cowboys at Eagles. Cowboys win the game, 38 to 27. Uh, I was at this game covering it in the press box, and man, what a game from Tony Romo. Uh, you know, he passed 265 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, and all those touchdowns were to Des Bryant. Des Bryant, six receptions, 114 yards, three touchdowns. And I just remember one of the touchdowns. I mean, he just dropped it in like rain over uh, the defender. And, you know, kind of a back shoulder kind of a thing for Des Bryant. And it was one of the more beautiful... Uh, Des Bryant, Tony Romo connections that I had seen. And that really sealed the deal when they really needed this win to get into the playoffs, to, to clinch the division. And they got it, man. And it was exciting times. Jason Witten had 69 yards. Uh, Tyrone Crawford had two sacks in the game, as well as Jeremy Mincy had two sacks in the game. So kind of tells you where the defense was back then. They were just kind of skating by. They were this, like, 
rolling guys in there that you probably didn't really know who they were. And, uh, and before the Marcus Lawrence really came on at the end of that season in the playoffs and, and some of these, these bigger guys became pro bowlers, Jalen Smith, those types of guys. So that, that one sticks out for me as, as an honorable mention. And one other I wanted to mention that stuck out was 2015 week 11 at Miami. <laughs> and this was the, maybe the only highlight of the 2015 seasons. Why I wanted to mention it. I was looking back at 2015. I was like, Oh man, I'm not going to say the castle game where they won at Washington. Cause that was a disaster. And they like won by a field goal and it was, whew, that was tough. But uh, you know, Tony Romo came back from injury, pouring rain in Miami uh, everybody, including myself, thought, you know, they're going to go on some type of tear here and get into the playoffs and win the Super Bowl. And it's going to be the greatest sports story ever in Dallas history. That didn't happen, but uh, it was certainly a great comeback. I mean, uh, a great comeback from injury from Romo and a great win. And I remember Romo throwing a left-handed pass in that game, too, uh, out of the end zone. So that's another, another memorable play uh, from that. But uh, KT, what's your honorable mention game? Well, for me, we go out to 2016, which was a, a magic carpet ride of a season. Uh, but it was the game against Philadelphia in which the Cowboys won in overtime by the score of 29 to 23. And the reason I chose that game is the Cowboys were 5-1. and one. They had a bye week. And I think we were all still going, okay, Dak Prescott, is this real? And we were going, okay, well, they after they lost Romo, Dak came in, he lost his first game, and then they beat the Redskins. Redskins weren't seen as a very good team. They beat the Bears. The Bears ended up not kind of being – they didn't seem like a, a very good team at the time. The 49ers hadn't turned it around yet, so they weren't good. The Bengals – and they beat the Packers right before the bye week. And the Packers kind of had some holes in that team as well. So they were 5-1, and one, but I remember everyone on talk radio just kind of going, well, have they really beaten a good team yet? And they went to Philadelphia – I mean, they went. It was a, it was a home game, and they went to take on Philadelphia. The Eagles were five and two at the time, and the Cowboys were five and one. No, the Eagles. I'm sorry, they were four and two at the time, and the Cowboys were five and one. So essentially, it was a game for first place in the division, and it goes into overtime. And what I'll never forget is the moment that I knew this thing was for real with Dak, and that there was kind of a change. I don't know if it was a change in the locker room, maybe all over, is when it all went down, and there was so much talk about well, when is Romo going to come back? Uh, maybe when they stumble, will it be the bye week? Well, he won't be ready by the bye week. They have the bye week, and then they get that Eagles game, and they get behind 20-10. to 10. And I remember over the years, we've killed Jason Garrett for being conservative, but he called a fake punt, and that kind of got the Cowboys rolling and got them in a position to where they kind of were able to kick a field goal because of the fake punt. And then they were able to kind of get back in the game, and it ended with uh, Dak hitting Jason Witten in the back of the end zone in overtime. And I just remember on Sunday Night Football, that dance party in the mm -hmm. end zone at AT&T Stadium. I've always referred to it as a dance party. And that, to me, is the defining moment of the Dak Prescott has taken over this team era. Just the, just the, the, the moment that you want to say, uh, well, this is where Tony really lost his job. Might have been when his back got hurt in Seattle in that preseason game. But to me... That dance party, a big win over a division rival. You then had a 6-1. and one. You had a two-game cushion in the division. To me, that was the night that everyone in the world knew, oh, yeah, this is Dak's team, and no one's going to take it from him. That, for me, was that moment. So that was kind of my honorable mention. But going to the top five list, we'll start at number five. 2018, and, John, it's week 14 against the Eagles. Another overtime game. 
another game at home against the Eagles, and another game that ends with the score of 29-23, but uh, that was number five on your list. Uh, what are your big memories from that game? All right, I'm going to get into that real quick. Let me let me knock out yep. some honorable mentions real oh, yeah, quick yeah. here. Sorry. Um, because it goes back to 2007, though, I'm going to go through this real quick. All right, um, I don't think that anybody wanted to watch any losses, so I didn't mention these games. But obviously, <laughs> fantastic games the Cowboys have been in that they lost that are in Game Pass is obviously the 2014 playoff game at Green Bay, the Desno catch. Nobody wants to watch that, but it's a phenomenal game. Uh, the 2013 game against the uh, Broncos in Week 5 were just an absolute shootout between Romo and Peyton Manning. Again, Romo threw an interception late, so it's a loss. So I don't think that many people wanted that, but that is one of the best games I've ever seen. Uh, another loss is Week 8 in 2013 at Detroit. And uh, so it's just a few weeks after that Broncos loss, but uh, the Cowboys were given to the Lions pretty good. And then Rod Marinelli decided that, hey, this game plan was we're just not going to double Calvin Johnson. And Calvin Johnson oh, had man. one of the greatest games in a wide, yeah, wide receivers ever <laughs> yeah. had. And it's one of the greatest comebacks I've ever seen. But again, it's 31-30 loss. It's the one where Witten and, and Dez get in it on the sidelines in the final seconds. And, you know, uh, it was just a really heated moment there. Um, but honorable mentions in terms of wins, and I know that we were only going back a few years, but I just need to mention these because if you haven't seen these games or if you forgot about them, definitely go back and watch 2011 week two at San Francisco. Uh, that's the overtime game where Romo comes back from the, from having the rib injury and, uh, and he throws it to, uh, I believe it was Jesse Holly for the touchdown, uh, to win that game in overtime. That one was fantastic. Jesse, um, just before you get roasted on Twitter. Jesse Holly was tackled like at the one, and then they kicked the field goal. I believe. Oh, that's that is right. That's yeah. right. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, I was on. Yeah, that's quite. Isn't his handle Mister Fourth and One? Uh, well, that's because he won the reality show Fourth. And oh, one. that's right. Yeah, right. But, You're right, uh, right. But yeah, no, he he got tackled right at the end, and Dan Bailey came in there and and kicked it. That's right, because I just remember he was so wide open, and and then just way behind the coverage. I was still like surprised that Romo would throw that mm-hmm. um, that pass there. So that's one. And then the other one I was going to last but not least, uh, definitely. Uh, 2009, it's week 15 against the Saints uh, in in Dallas. But uh, it was that Saints team. The Cowboys won that game. That Saints team was 13-0. and They were trying to go for a perfect season, and the Cowboys ruined that. DeMarcus Ware, uh, you know, had a huge game. So wanted to get through those real quick because I know I kind of broke the rules there a little bit. But now going back to that Eagles game, um, it was just that was that was just a huge game from Amari Cooper. It was it was a game late in the season and and it was just an overtime win. It was just one of those deals where, you know, it's a division rival. These Eagles Cowboys. I mean, there's no question that that's been the rest, best rivalry in this division recently, uh, especially since Dak's been the the starting quarterback and he didn't really have a great game uh, in this one. But you know, in overtime, he made he made a pass that you know a lot of people say probably should have been picked up, but it was tipped up in the air. Mari Cooper catches it, turns around, walks in for a 15-yard touchdown. And, of course, uh, you've probably seen on Twitter some people have dubbed in the Titanic music on that play. And um, it was probably the most I've ever seen Amari celebrate, you know. And it wasn't anything over the top, but you could tell there was genuine just, you know, joy and jubilation out of him, which is is just rare because generally he'll make huge plays and there isn't much emotion. But you could just feel how big uh, that game meant for that season. Yeah, that game, I mean, it's so crazy that last pass – you know, that just could have been intercepted. Uh, Rasul Douglas, I believe, is the guy who just, I mean, he, it was almost pretty good coverage. He almost knocks it down. He didn't turn turn around. But Dak threw it in a tight window. It almost kind of looks like a bad throw. But that game, too, was so huge because you were coming off that loss, you know, three and five at the time. 
just had to have it. No, I'm sorry. That was later in the year. I'm sorry. I got the the two Eagles games mixed up. I'm sorry. They were three and five, and then they won four. That was their fifth win in a row, right? So for that to happen so huge, almost put up 600 yards of offense in that game uh, to go to eight and five. It's funny was looking at the list of games. There are very few odd-numbered games on there. It's all the even-numbered years because the odd-numbered years are the years they didn't make the playoffs, and the even-numbered years uh, are the years that they did go to the playoffs. Next, you have – we go back to 2016, number four on the list. And I almost had this in my honorable mentions or would have probably made my list. It's the game at Pittsburgh. The Cowboys at the time in 2016 were 7-1. They just beaten the Eagles in the game that I talked about in my honorable mentions. Then they killed the Browns 35-10, to and the Browns were a dumpster at that time. And now we kind of officially hit, can Jason, uh, can Tony Romo come back mode? We're officially kind of at that point where, all right, his back's probably ready to go. They go to Pittsburgh and get the win 35-30. to Explain some of your um, your favorite moments of that win and, and why it was so high on your list, John. So the reason why this one's on here is just because the biggest thing was that it was this this young nucleus. You obviously had Dak and Zeke were such a huge part of, of the team that year. And they able to go into Pittsburgh where obviously it's not an e- easy place to play. And this game was just so back and forth. And so that was one of the big things for me. It was just like... You, you had these huge plays, you know, one of them actually I tweeted out today and it's uh, it's this it's the swing pass to uh, Ezekiel Elliott out in the right flat. And he just has a convoy of blockers in front of him. And Travis Frederick has a great block and just clears some guy out of bounds. And then uh, uh, Terrence uh, Williams is running down the field and, and he gets in the way of two or three guys, too. And Zeke just takes it to the house. And it was just it's one of those plays that just really showed you how explosive this offense could be doing some plays that just weren't really like what we had seen over several years before that in, in the offense and, and what they did with, you know, with Romo and, uh, you know, DeMarco Murray and some of the success they had there. Yeah, they were really effective, but this one, they were just doing it in a different way, you know, and, and I'll just, I'll never forget that swing pass to Zeke. Uh, and, and it ended up going for, well, I got it written down here, 83 yards. And uh, they were down 12-3 at the time. So that gets them right back into it. And then it was just a back and forth game down the stretch. I remember Des Bryant had a 50-yard touchdown catch. And this is uh, the day after Des's uh, father passed away. So he was very emotional in that game. Um, and then it was just, it was a really close game late. Uh, you know, there's, uh, let's see, I got 42 seconds to go in Ben Roethlisberger. And, and, and this game was just so, it's, it'll always be special to me because we don't get a lot of field access anymore like it used to be in the NFL. And this is one of the games, and every stadium's different, but Pittsburgh allows you to go down to the field during the last three or four minutes. And so I got to watch this game. Uh, on Pittsburgh's sideline for the last five minutes. And I was standing in the end zone when the Steelers were driving, and they're on the 15-yard line 42 seconds ago. They're down 29-24, and Roethlisberger fakes like he's going to spike it, and he throws it to An- Antonio Brown. It was like right in front of me, right in the end zone, uh, and Antonio Brown was just open, and, and he scores a touchdown right there to put the Steelers up by one. And so there's less than you know 40 seconds to go in the game, and, and the Cowboys just march down, and uh, eventually as he, they're trying to get into field goal range to, to win it, but it, uh, the defense kind of breaks and Zeke breaks out this 32 yard run. And it just was, it was wild times, man. It just, again, what KT said earlier, you just were getting these different moments throughout that season where you're like, Oh yeah, Dak's going to be the quarterback here for a long time. Yeah, man, that, that, uh, just, just a note that I covered that game as well. John, I was out, I was there shooting video and that's probably my favorite game I've ever covered. 
uh, from a Cowboys win perspective. I mean, it was just electric being in Pittsburgh. The rivalry kind of goes back, you know, 30, 40 years, you know, back to the 70s and the Terry Bradshaw days. And you could feel the energy, the angst among the fan bases. You got the terrible towels going. And you're right. That that uh, that fake spike, I'll never forget that fake spike because I was zoomed in on Des. I mean, on um, – I'm out of the fake spike. I was like, did that just happen? And you think the game's over then. And then, you know, Dak marches him right down the field. And I remember listening to the radio call simultaneously as I'm shooting. And Brad Sham's like, you know, all they got to do is, you know, they're basically they're in field goal range now. All right. They're going to give it to Zeke one more time and then march Bailey out there. And yeah, the defense collapsed and it caught Brad Sham off guard. And he was like, Zeke's gone. He's gone. And Zeke, was surprised by it, you know, like he, he held up the, the ball, like kind of like, a I don't know, steal the bacon way, you know, with one hand. And then Travis Frederick came and picked him up and they were all dancing in the end zone. I mean, that was just probably the most surprised I've ever been by a win. <laughs> it was like hard for me to keep the camera straight because I knew as I was filming it, I was like freaking out like, Oh, did this, is this really happening sorry, right yeah. now? You know? And man, that was team- it also two days after that game, is when Romo had the big speech. Mm-hmm. So that was a wake-up call for Romo too, right? right? I mean, like, if Romo, you know, and Romo wouldn't have done that speech if he didn't know. Again, like I said, I knew. I had a feeling after that, and they had the bye week in that Eagles game. But, okay, you beat the Browns, okay. Maybe you lose that game to the Steelers. Maybe there's something different, you know? And that was a close game, but maybe Jason does ponder, and, and the guys ponder about what they do at quarterback, you know, if, if Tony's ready. But you go win that game in Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh was a really good team. It just kind of – that game, it solidified any thoughts that I had about that Eagles game. It wasn't going to happen after the Browns game. You know, maybe you go blow it to the Browns. Maybe Tony gets his job back, mm-hmm. you know. You go beat the Browns 35-10. Okay, well, that's – it's like, well, you're going to have to lose some games before Tony gets his job back. And just going into that house, that screen pass is just one of, I think, everyone's favorite Cowboys plays of the last five years. But going into that house against a good team at Heinz Field just kind of – I mean, that's kind of all she wrote. And then that led to two days later on Tuesday, Tony calling that emergency press conference, which was weird to say the least that he would do that um, and still be on the team. But it's where Tony basically went and admitted that it was Dak's team. It's such a strange – such a strange week, but also a jubilant time for the team. You know, it's just – just going back and thinking about that, it was. Just, it, I remember just being so excited about the team, and then I, I almost felt. I don't. I wasn't shocked when Tony did that. It was just like it. It, it made everything. I, I don't know what I'm trying to say. It almost put like a, not an exclamation point on everything that was happening with you know Dak and Zeke bringing this youth energy. But it just kind of created this like odd vibe to me that I didn't think they needed. I think things were just rolling and should have stepped rolling. I I almost thought Tony kind of stepped in the way of what could have been with them, but ends up not being that big of a deal uh, now that we all know how it played out. But well, do you remember your thoughts when Tony called that press conference Tuesday? Do you guys remember what yeah. you guys were thinking and covering that thing and everything that was going on there? Oh, I mean, it was super weird. I was working for the team at the time and. And they didn't tell us anything. They didn't tell us what it was going to be, what it was going to be about. Uh, you know, PR kind of came, walked down the hallway and said, hey, Tony's going to have a press conference. And we were just like, oh, okay, well, he hasn't talked all season. 
we've been wanting to talk to him. So I'm sure the demand is going to be so high that they wanted to do it in the press conference room because usually they only have the coach in the press conference room and you have to go down the locker room and fight the other journalists to be able to get footage or a shot of a player actually talking, you know? So maybe they were just doing us a solid by saying, oh, Tony's going to be in the press conference room because, you know, obviously hasn't talked. And was, that's what we were thinking. And so we only sent me like up there with like, I think, I don't even know if I had a, a video camera. I think I just had a, a still camera because we needed a shot for the website of him up there on the podium. And then I remember Tony walking in and I think David Moore started to ask a question, John. And he said, hold on, before that, I got something to say. And then he just said his speech and walked off and everyone just kind of sat there in stunned silence for, it's like, did he just retire? Did, you know what? And I think the feeling after that was like, oh, well, he's going to come back. He's going to play for another team. He's, he's not going to retire. And if he does, he'll have a speech for that. But I mean, that's really, that's really kind of his retirement speech when you look back at it, John. Yeah, no, it was wild. Uh, I, nobody was expecting that. That's, that's because that was something that Tony did on his own. It wasn't really something that he talked about with Jason Garrett or, you know, anybody else. It kind of was just something that he wanted to do in that moment. And so that's why there wasn't a lot of time for preparation. That's probably by design because he probably didn't want a build up to this. If, if you find out in the morning, Hey, make sure you're around the facility at this time because, uh, Tony wants to talk at the podium, which in itself is, is, odd because of the fact that Tony never would go to the podium. He always did his, all his interviews at his locker. Um, and there's a, there's several people, several reporters that have always wanted him to go to the podium. Cause sometimes if you don't get it to his locker soon enough, you don't get it close enough to where you can ask a question or be able to even hear his response. And so the fact that he was going to that podium really was like, Hmm, this is, this is really interesting. And then, uh, I'm, I'm selfish about this. So another reason why it stood out to me is because at that time we could still take cell phone video and so, uh, at the facility. And so I was just running film on that whole thing, you know, and I couldn't post it fast enough. Cause I was like, this is just like the, every extra word he was saying, you were like, wow, this is huge. Like, this is way bigger than I thought it was going to be. I thought he was coming in here to take questions and it was going to be, you know, something that might be over in 10 minutes and whatever, but man, uh, yeah, it's one of those moments you just never forget. I don't know how much that Pittsburgh game had to do with that decision. Like it, I'd be interested to know how everything plays out. If you just reverse that game and, you know, and the Cowboys, let's say the Cowboys lose to Pittsburgh and they got a tough one against Baltimore coming up at home. It's like, okay, this might be the time to go ahead and bring Tony back. I, I just wonder, it feels like decisions had already been made. Again, I still go back to that Eagles game to where I think decisions were all made on that. And they were like, okay, we're riding this thing out. They just can't ignore that dance party, but we'll never know. And that's just part of the allure of that 2016, I'm sorry, yeah, that 2016 season. Now, next on the list, I don't know if – maybe not in the right order there, John, but um, – Okay, week, the next – do the Packers one. Yeah, week six of 2016 at Green Bay. The Cowboys get the win to go to 5-1. to one. I got to admit, man, I'm a little hazy on this game. My details are a little hazy on this game. Can you kind of catch me up here? Yeah, it's it really – the it's again, it goes a little bit with what I said about the Steelers game where it's just one of those ones where, you know, it's one thing to beat one of these teams like this, you know – at your place and you kind of got momentum going because obviously, you know, they had a lot of momentum going that season, but it's another one to go at, go to Lambeau, a place where let's be honest, outside of that game, the Cowboys really haven't had a lot of success against the Packers. So you add that in there and it really makes that one, you know, stand out because, you know, it's, it's one of those games too, where I just remember pregame Dak warming up and, and Brett Favre going over there and talking to him and, you know, Dak being a Mississippi state guy and, 
Brett Favre being a guy who went to Southern Miss, obviously both of them were number four, you know, obviously somebody that Dak Prescott looks up to. So um, I just remember Dak having a really good game and he threw for like 250 yards, like three touchdowns. And he just straight up, he outplayed, he outplayed Aaron Rodgers. So uh, Rodgers had like one touchdown. He had almost 300 yards. He had like one touchdown, one interception. And so it was another big game, Zeke. He had like 157 yards. Um, you know, it just was an all around, like, it was just impressive that they were able to go up to Green Bay. And really, I mean, midway, early fourth quarter, they went up 27 to nine. And it just was surprising that they were able to uh, take it to that team. And that, and I think the other part, why it really stands out to me, not that it was like this memorable, close game or anything like that, but it was like literally they just, they lost, they beat a Packers team that obviously was good enough that they went on and lost to them later on in the season in a, in a playoff game that really, let's be honest, that the Cowboys, that, that 2016 season never should have ended there. That team should have been, you know, they got the bye, they won the division, they won 13 games, they had no business losing that Packers team. And obviously, you, you know, that's, I mean, that Packers game was fantastic too. But, but again, people don't want to go back and watch that probably because it's a loss. But, you know, they, they gave, you know, they gave Aaron Rodgers just a sliver of, of, a, of a hope and that's all he needed and he got him within field goal range and, you know, they, they end up winning 34-31. But that, that Cowboys team was better than the Packers that year. And, and that's, uh, that's one right there that I really feel that if you ask Jerry Jones right now, what are some of the like toughest losses for him? I bet you that one bothers him. Maybe not as much as the 2014 one against at Green Bay with the Des catch, but I bet you it's right there in, in terms of within the last 10 years because uh, he he thought that that team was a lot better. And because of what they had going and how they, how they were on a roll like that doesn't happen very often in the NFL like that. They, you know, they caught lightning in a bottle and uh, that, that was a disappointing finish to that season. Yeah, it just felt like everything that year felt like so surreal. Um, and it goes back – well, I want to go to the next game on your list because th- these years did have s- similarities to it. Was number two on your list the Seattle game uh, of 2014? Yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah, let, let's move on to that one just because it's kind of it's kind of capitalizing on my point. 2014 was a magical year as well. But 2016 like had a different vibe, and I think it is the influx of youth movement – it is because of the the bipolar nature of Tony Romo going down in the preseason, and one second you think your season's over, and the next you know minute you look around and you go, oh "My God, we're eight and one," and uh, you know we're we're on, we're on a roll to the playoffs, and this team looks unstoppable. But that 2014 team was special too. I remember where I was watching this game, and this is Week Six in Seattle. The Cowboys got that win, 30 to 23. Seattle at the time. Uh, you know, was seen as a very formidable opponent, and they were, I believe, that was the year they were coming off the this. No, they went to the Super Bowl that year, uh, in 2014. They ended up going to the Super Bowl that year as they uh had beat the Packers in the playoffs the, the week after the Des catch. Um, but the thing that the two plays I think that stick out, I, under, I remember being at a bar. I had an appearance that night, so I was with Cowboys fans, um, and just kind of. Going, okay, it's going to be a tough game right here in Seattle. Tough place to play. It just felt like this was going to be a tough one. And they get the interception from Rolando McClain. And I also remember the Terrence Williams toe tap on a huge catch to kind of uh, keep a Cowboys drive going. Those are kind of my big memories of that game and a huge win in Seattle, 30-23. to A very fun game to watch. Yeah, I agree, man. The toe tap one is one that I'll never forget um, just because it looked so improbable. And you were like, kind of, <laughs> was he throwing it to Terrence Williams? Was he throwing it? Uh, yes. Tony, by the way, was the quarterback, obviously. So was he throwing it to Terrence Williams? Was he throwing it to Jason Witten? Uh, and just when they, 
it's it's weird because it's still relatively early in the season, but I just had the feeling when that happened that it was like, oh, this team might be for real because teams that are for real go up to Seattle and make big plays in moments like this and find ways to win games in tough environments like this against other good teams. And you just felt like they had some serious momentum on their side with that. Um, and again, personally, though, uh, it's also was a, it'll be always one of my most memorable games because um, I had been freelancing covering the team uh, when I moved to Dallas in, in t- 2010. So I was doing that for 11, 12, and 13. And then early in the 14 season, that's when I got hired full-time by the morning news. So this is the first road game that I got to go to. Uh, when I was hired full time. And so I was so geeked. I remember going to it just because I'd never been to Seattle. You know, you hear all this, you know, Legion of Boom talk and just how loud the stadium is. And I'm kind of like, it's an outdoor stadium. How loud can it be? And man, it just lived up to the hype so much. So I was like so geeked about it to begin with. I didn't think the Cowboys were going to win the game. Um, but you can kind of notice a, a trend here with my my last three here, my two, three and four on this on this list is all road games, tough environments, you know, going to Seattle, going to Pittsburgh, going to Green Bay. Those aren't easy places to win on the on the road against good teams. And so uh, that's why it really stood out to me. I, I just that's one where you felt like when you watched them for me personally in like 2010, 11 and 12 and 13, like, they, yeah, they were kind of there, kind of there. But 14 felt like even though the defense, you know, was it wasn't loaded with playmakers, but it was just real solid. But you just felt like you were watching Tony play some of the best ball that he's ever played. And just the way the run game worked, how good that offensive line played with Ron Leary being part of that group. And and it, it just the way that DeMarco Murray ran the ball. I mean, for God's sakes, this is a franchise that has Emmitt Smith, you know, all-time leading rusher in NFL history. And he'd never had a season like DeMarco Murray had that year. And so uh, it just seemed like everything, especially offensively, it was just like, it was just, it was an amazing season. And again, I, I felt the same way about that as I kind of feel about 2016, that it ended too soon. Like, I understand that, you know, Green Bay was really tough and you had to go win at Green Bay, but I think that team was good enough to go farther than that. Yeah, it, d- it definitely felt like that was the team to beat. Uh, really, really both years. And I, mean, I was thinking that Seattle, once they got into the playoffs, knew they were going to be tough to beat, uh, especially in Seattle. Uh, but that 2014, that Green Bay team, I, I just think, uh, really, really both 2014 and 2016, they felt like games where the Cowboys offense could go score on them. And they proved it in 2016 when they beat them in, you know, week five and then lost to them, you know, in the playoffs. That was one of the, the softest defenses you'll see in the playoffs. And in 2014, you know, you lose that game because of the Dez catch and all that stuff or the Dez incomplete pass, I guess is how, how it went down. And I'm not one of those people who is like dead set on. Well, they would have won that game. The Cowboys had a pretty soft defense when it all comes down to it in 2014. Um, I wouldn't have really felt good about them getting a stop <laughs> of Aaron Rodgers. In fact, they had a chance to get the ball back, and the Packers got a first down in that playoff game in 2014. But I do, I do feel like you like you never felt like the Cowboys were overmatched in 2014 or 2016. You know, when the Cowboys got in the playoffs in 2018. I was never go- sitting there going, "Oh, well, they're gonna you know they're gonna go make a huge run." Yeah, I, I wasn't surprised that they beat the Seahawks, but I didn't expect them to go, you know, win that year. I really didn't, you know, expect them to be, you know, it, but I mean, they were a three and five team in 2018. In 2014 and 2016, pretty much all year long, the Cowboys were up at the top of the NFC and dominating teams, quite frankly. And that's where I kind of, my, my memories of those years, I feel like those are just such more dominant teams than what we've seen. Over the last couple of years, I think you have more special memories when you think about that. So 
But that was a, a huge game in Seattle and a lot of fun. Let's go number one on the list. I'll do the drum roll here. Impressive. Oh, 45-second uh, drum roll there. Joy to <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> hey, a playoff victory for the Cowboys. These don't, these don't happen too often, it seems like, John. Um, Cowboys-Lions, I've got a controversial game for show. Um, the wildcard game in 2015, the Tony Romo playoff victory. Uh, over the lines. Let's uh, talk about that game a little bit. What are your memories of that game? Well, being from uh, the Metro Detroit area, I uh, was stunned at halftime that the Lions were playing as well as they were. And I was like, the Lions don't have a playoff win since beating the Cowboys in 91. <laughs> and I'm like, is this really going to happen? Are they really going to beat this Cowboys team? Because I, I picked the Cowboys. I thought the Cowboys were a better team. And the Lions were actually in position to win that game. Uh, so that was one of my biggest takeaways. I was just stunned by that. Um, and that, that Detroit team, that's the best defense Detroit's had in a long time. That's the one that had uh, Ziggy Ansah when Ziggy Ansah was, was playing well, not the Ziggy Ansah that uh, he is today. He's dealt with a lot of injuries since then, but he was, you know, top five pick at the time. And then Indomitian Sue was just an absolute monster. Um, but, uh, you know, just Romo was great down the stretch. Uh, my the one if I had one picture that I will always think of uh, that I'll always remember it's when he just barely got the pass off the winning game the game winning what ended up being the game winning touchdown to Terrence Williams in the back of the end zone you know he, uh, Romo gets knocked to it knocked down and he's like face first on on the turf at AT and T Stadium and, and you can tell like he he just sees that Terrence catches it and he just puts his arms out in like celebration but he's like looking down face down into the turf so I'll always remember that. Um, but then I'll always just remember the fact that it's also that that year the playoffs were just so wild like that because there was a controversial call in in, in that game where there uh, looked to be pass interference on Anthony Hitchens. Uh, uh, he was defending Brandon Pettigrew down the seam and uh, never turned to try and make a play on the ball and, and there was a lot of contact and so they actually the reps marked the ball off like it was a penalty and then all of a sudden you just see them you know they they meet together and talk it over. And next thing you know, they're walking the ball back. And it's something like I'd never seen before in a game. And I, I know from, you know, obviously knowing a lot of Lions fans that, you know, there's still anger about it, but it was just kind of ironic the way it all went down because so they lose the game and goes and Dallas goes on and they lose and, and Cowboys fans are still hung up on the way that that was controversial with the Dez catch. And then the Packers go on and I believe KT, correct me if I'm wrong, they lose to the Seahawks in a way that I want to say it was like a last second was it the the fail Mary or what was that? What was the one that the Packers ended up losing the NFC Championship game to send the Seahawks to the Super Bowl? Well, that was the, the a couple things, and I'm glad that you brought that up. So you had the the onside kick where Brian Bostick didn't get it, but you also had a, a two point conversion play uh, on a I believe it was on a fake uh, fake extra point, and they lobbed it over the head of Haha Clinton Dix. Uh, for a huge two-point right. conversion that kind of made the difference. And then there was a Julius Peppers interception and where uh, Packer safety Morgan Burnett comes and starts telling him to get down, even though there's like five minutes left in the game. Like Julius Peppers had open field and could have ran it at least into you know well into Seahawks territory. The Packers just bungled that game in Seattle. They had them. They didn't cash in with touchdowns early on in the game. Had to settle for some field goals. Mike McCarthy took a lot of heat for those games. Um, because of the way that game ended and, you know, the inability to punch it in a few times 
from the one-yard line, and he was calling plays back then. So, you know, go ask – if you want to go ask Packers fans how they feel about Mike McCarthy, you know, one thing I do think is lodged in their brain, and I know it is for me as a guy who, who follows the Packers as well, is, man, they uh, really screwed the pooch on that game in a lot of different ways in all four quarters of that game. So that game was pretty nuts, man. And Cowboys-Seahawks match up again, honestly – I think Seattle probably gets him at home. Like, I guess I haven't seen enough sustained Cowboys playoff success uh, to sit there and believe, oh, they're about to reel off three straight. In 2016, I might have had that vibe, uh, but I don't know how, if I felt would have felt that way in 2014. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, that was such a it was such a fun team. You still had holes on the defense that were question marks. I mean, did they were just counting on Rolando McClain to be around? Uh, and think about how, how shady that would sound even two or three years ago to go, man, I'm counting on Rolando McClain. They were counting on him. So, God, it's, it's fun to though talk about these games, and it makes me want to fire up Game Pass and go watch them now because there are some good memories and fun times along the way. And, and, and the, the T-Will touchdown catch, you know, and we mentioned T-Will with the toe tap, you know. I think because of how things ended with him, I think we do forget that he was pretty reliable – you know, for Tony Romo, and Tony Romo went to him in some big moments, you know, in his career. And that, then those aren't the only two. There are others you'd have to go, you know, refresh my memory to think about it. But Packers playoff game. The Packer playoff the, game. Tez, Tez non-catch, he had a good separation against the guy and, and streaked down the middle of the field. And also that same season when they played the Texans, that, that play where he Romo spun away from J.J. Watt and lobbed it to the end zone. Terrence Williams caught that for a touchdown, yeah. too. A lot of people will forget about that. You know, I think I always thought, like, uh, look, he, they never paid him much. You know, I, I always thought T-Will, because he was a body catcher and he had some drops, I always thought he kind of took a little more flack than maybe he should have. Like, he was a pretty good player in the league for a few years. And, you know, they never asked him to go be an 80-catch guy. You know, if they were asking him to be an 80-catch guy and he couldn't do it, then I understand it. I, I felt like he might have been underappreciated a little bit just because, you know, Tony trusted him in one of the biggest throws of his career in that Detroit game, and he trusted him, and T-Will caught it and made the play. Like, T-Will was a good player for this team, and uh, for a second-round pick to come and be that number two to Des for a few years, I mean, I thought T-Will had a pretty good career. When it's, all, when it's all said and done, you know, maybe you wanted him to be more, of course, but like, mm-hmm. I just, th- I just think there's some big plays that people kind of gloss over when it comes to T. Will, and they think about him on that scooter or <laughs> think about him dropping a pass or whatever. You know? <laughs> don't don't forget that uh, Marcus Lawrence play at the end of that game too, that strip sack. You know, I mean, huge. Yeah. No, uh, he had he, he had the uh, he had the strip sack, recovered the fumble, but then it was pulled away from him. And so it looked like he thought he made like the biggest mistake, like that, you know, he lost the ball back to Detroit instead of just falling on it. Like he tried to, you know, do something with it. And, uh, and then he got a chance later on to get another sack. And then he ended up getting the, uh, he ended up recovering the fumble on on Matthew Stafford. I mean, I think it, I'm pretty sure I could be, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it was on fourth down. So that the game would have been over. I mean, they would have had possession. It would have been turnover on downs, but still it was just such a huge play. And I just remember, you know, talking to Rod Marinelli a couple of years after that and him saying, like, that's when he knew that, like, you know, Tank was going to be a special player, the way he was able to overcome that and still be such a uh, such a huge part in that win. Um, thinking of Terrence Williams, though, real quick, I got to end this. So going in this game, like, me and uh, Clarence Hill from the Forest Star Telegram, we were kind of arguing about uh, 
I, I, t- I was arguing that I thought Golden Tate was a better wide receiver than Terrence Williams. And so this game starts out, and Golden Tate, like in early on, first few minutes, just catches this ball and goes for 51 yards. And I'm just staring chilled down in, in the press box the entire time, and he's cracking up. And then, then the thing, or Terrence, the thing, or actually late, late in the second quarter, he caught like a 76-yard touchdown. And really was what got him back in the game because it was 14-0 Lions at that point. And then obviously T. Will had the uh, he had the uh, the game winner, but um, uh, we all know that obviously uh, I was right. No, absolutely, but. You know, yeah, I guess if you're comparing number two wide receivers, yeah, go, give me Golden Tate. But now I just remember how fun that was, and I remember the buildup to that game too was pretty good because there was the whole Barry Church thing and all that stuff. It's just awesome, man. I guys, I'm gonna fire up Game Pass. Yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna not look <laughs> at day three centers now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop doing that, and I'm gonna go watch Game Pass now. I wish it went I back watch to, I wish it went back center. to 06 because I think 06 was the year that the Colts weren't the Colts undefeated and Peyton came in and into or is that 07? And yeah, the Cowboys knocked off the Colts and they gave them their only loss. I think of that entire season the Colts ended up winning the Super Bowl that year with Peyton Manning, right? And uh and yeah, Tony Romo kind of put the team on his back in that one. Terrell Owens, I remember playing i was working for cbs sports yeah. as an intern at the time i was sitting in the trailer watching that one and was just like what what is going on and they relied on their two running backs they had marion barber and felix jones and uh and that was a game like on a national stage where another kind of come uh, you know arriving on the scene moment for tony romo but man i i hope that one's on game pass because if it is i'm gonna go back and watch that one I remember that 09 season too. I remember them pitching a couple shutouts at the end of the year and going into the playoffs. And I was going, man, no one's going to score on this Wade Phillips defense. Uh, you know, and it just didn't work out that way in the playoffs. They did, they did get a playoff win that year. Uh, but I just remember how good I felt in 09 mm-hmm. about that team. Um, I thought they had a chance and they ended up getting beat by the Vikings uh, in the divisional round. But I thought, I thought that was a team that had a chance to kind of do some damage just because that defense at the end of the year was just crushing it. I just remember going, dang, dude, they're not going to get scored on. Their defense is playing uh, great at the right time. You know, and I think everyone's, you know, head was kind of in a in a strange space right there because the Parcells years had timed out. They had that chance in 07. But that 09 year, I thought they had a chance to kind of do some damage. It's amazing their track record of alternating years of going to the playoffs, man. Uh, you know, going in 07, not going in 08, going in 09, uh, not going in 010. I mean, in 2010, not 010. I guess it is technically 010. Uh, 2011, they didn't go either, of course. They had the, they had the three straight years of 8 and 8, but, like, I mean, they are the definition of parity and mediocrity, if we're being honest. And that is not a high remark or anything, because there's some good moments along the ways, but really... <laughs> I, I, I've always separated, you know, 07 on, you know. Uh, so I've already separated those years from the bad mm-hmm. years after the 90s, you know, from the Dave Campbell years and Chan Gailey years. I've always separated that. It just felt like a different era for me. Maybe it's my, my age, you know, and my you know, ability to remember things and stuff. But I feel like I've always separated that. But, my God, you just go look at the last – Let's go look at the last 13 years or what's available for us on Game Pass. They are the definition of league mm-hmm. average. I mean, they are just that is what they are. Uh, it's sad. I hate to end the podcast. Damn it. It was, it was 06. It was 06. It was uh, Cowboys Colts 2006, November 19th. 
Colts won the 2007 Super Bowl. That they won the Super Bowl that year. So that's what got it confused with the seasons. But yeah, dang it, man! I wanted to go back and watch that one. I'm gonna have to. Hopefully, someone isn't on YouTube. You guys, you guys got some really good memories. To, to I mean, I'm sitting here messing up the fail <laughs> Mary from 2012 with the 2014 playoffs. I can't even. I can't even go back three or four Let me years. See the stat line of that game, man. That because uh, Mary and Barbara had two touchdowns. Uh, Julius. Julius Jones at 79 yards. <laughs> Julius Jones. That running back by committee thing worked for them for a few years, man. Yeah. Uh, Terrell, Terry Terry Glenn, 78 yards. Terrell Owens, 70 yards. Mm. Man, they spread the ball around in that game. And, yeah, like I just remember Joseph Adai. Still had Reggie Wayne and Marvin Harrison there. Uh, Dallas Clark, you know, like the big old, old-timey Colts team at their playing at their absolute best, too. You know, Tony Dungy coaching them. Um, and, yeah, man, what a great game at Texas Stadium. So, uh, yeah, on CBS Sports. So, Coach Parcells against Coach Dungy. That was Parcells last year, I, th- I believe, too. Um, God, pretty awesome. Cowboys coach. That Saints game, too. I forgot what year it was, but that Saints game was a big one where they busted the Saints out. That was 09. That was 09, yeah. Sorry, sorry, mm-hmm. sorry. That one was a fun one, too. God. That, yeah, De- DeMarcus Ware came back from what a back injury the week before. Didn't think he'd even you know, play football ever again and then ended up being the hero in the game, you know, and got a big sack at the end of the game on Drew Brees to seal the deal. Um, and that was the year like neck injury Bowl, or something. Right? I believe it was. Man. Man, the memories are uh, all rushing in now, and I feel real old. Uh, yeah, good, good times. Yeah, it's good times, but it also makes me realize that I'm old. But that happens, man. Hey, that's what we do, man. I can't wait for actual football again, though. Yeah, right? I want a 2020 Game Pass season. Knock on wood, man. Knock on wood. We still have some draft stuff that we can uh, distract you with. Maybe we'll talk some draft next time. Uh, See if the Cowboys do anything else in free agency. We'll be there for you, as we always are here on About Them Cowboys. Uh, But, uh, yeah, we are. I mean, technically, we're a month away from the draft. Now, who knows what's going to happen with the draft. And if it's uh, the date gets moved, we'll, we'll be following everything. But, uh, make sure you stay tuned to The Athletic. We'll be with you with another episode of About Them Cowboys if the Cowboys have any big signings over the next few days. Or uh, next week, I'm sure we'll do an episode of some sort uh, to kind of get you prepared because the draft is very close. Uh, 30 visits and things like that aren't going to happen. So it's going to be a little harder to detect who the Cowboys have their eye on, but we'll still be able to talk about that stuff uh, as we get a little bit closer uh, to the draft. For our producer, Kent Garrison, for our beat reporter, the great Father John Misty. Wait, Father John Mashoda. Father John Misty released a live album uh, yesterday, guys, if you want to check it out, too. It's, all proceeds go to, to a good uh, good cause. Um, but Father John Mashoda, he did not release a live album, but he's always doing these podcasts and writing stories on The Athletic. So he's it's not like, like he's doing stuff all the time, right? Uh, I'm Kevin KT Turner, and I've rambled too much. Thank you for joining us on this list version of About Them Cowboys. We'll see you next time.